This is Unfilter, episode 154 for August 12th, 2015. Hey, hey, what? How are you? Good. How was your day? Good. Hey, sweetheart. Oh, sorry. Yeah, this smells so delicious. Thank you, guys. Awesome. How was your day? Your security is not threatened by Iran having one nuclear weapon. Not threatened by Iran having one nuclear From the Jupiter Broadcasting Underground Nuclear Shelter Facility, it's time again for another edition of Unfiltered, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly show about the news that you shouldn't be watching. My name is Chase. On the controls right over there, running the board, is Mr. Chris Fisher. Hey, Chris. hey there, buddy. Duck and cover, my friend. It's oh, a, my God. Sound the alarm. Episode. It's a big Sound episode. Sound the alarm. We, uh, we are, we, this show this week is setting a record in a couple of ways. Number one, it's clocking it in an unbelievable size of clips. Unbelievable. There's so much clips this week, a lot that's in the supporters' sink. Just take it in stride. We, it's, it's, Just take I'm, it in I'm stride. I'm proud. I, it's, uh, producer Matt is a machine, and uh, we've got some great stuff. Obviously, our intro clip, very intense. We're going to talk about how serious the battle for the Iran deal is getting. Oh, man. It's Those heat, ads it's heating there. Up. Yeah. That ad there is being run by a John Bolton uh, group that obviously is uh, ba- pretty much com- coming after Rand Paul. They're making Rand Paul the anti-Iran uh, they're making him his target. Oh, so they're making him the target. So, so they want to take. So basically, they want to take him out of the election. Yeah. Do you want to see the uh, whole ad? Do, oh, you there's like to- more. There's oh, well, a- I'll just, I can play the whole thing for you. Okay. Here, and uh, you can kind of right. get it. By the way, if you're not a video uh, video get, uh, people out there, you gotta try to check this out this yeah, week. Yeah. Yeah. This will be in the uh, this will be in the supporter sync too if you're listening on audio. But uh. hey, hey, what How are you? Good. How was your day? Good. Hey, sweetheart. Oh, sorry. Yeah, this Thank you, guys. How was your day? Your security is not threatened by Iran having one nuclear weapon. Not threatened by Iran having one nuclear weapon. Hey, uh, nuclear Iran is a threat to our national security, it says at the end there. Oh, yeah. Isn't that a little, uh, uh, yeah. So we're going to be getting to uh, that later in the show, Chase. You know, yeah, it, uh, obviously I uh, would hope that we have the full context of what Rand Paul said because obviously all you got to do is just take one little snippet right, and right. you can just you make would, it. No, no, yeah, exactly. no. Uh, okay, we have to get into some cyber hacking, though. That's where we're going to start Oh, it's this all about week. cyber oh, Cyber, week. cyber. And uh, there is an official hack attack against the Pentagon emails. Well, Russia, and, uh, indeed. Suspect number one Russia. here at the Pentagon. This was a hacking attack spear phishing right into the email system of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, the unclassified email, but still 4,000 military and civilian personnel, top people that work for the Joint Chiefs and the chairman of the Joint Chiefs. They believe it was directly targeted at them. All of the protections were in place, but this was a very sophisticated attack, we are told. The Pentagon says it was a stealthy. They got in. Now, what's that uh, lower third there say? 
uh, Russia suspected and Pentagon email attack. Okay. Inside the unclassified system unclassified. in a way, and they're not describing that way to us, in a way that had never been seen before. Now, let's be clear. A spear phishing attack is nothing new. No, it's been around for as long as email's been being the, sent. The only thing, they, they, the only scenario I could think of where a spear phishing attack could be something never seen before is if the spear phishing attack exploited like a zero-day Java or zero-day Flash exploit, and thereby, thereby, because it's a zero-day, it's technically never been seen before. Yeah. Why do they say Russia? So sophisticated, they believe it had to be a state entity. The Chinese, the Russians, the only ones really capable of pulling it off. The- so that's that's why we're IDing. I want to back that up and play that for you. Why did we say, why are we saying Russia? Let's play that again. So sophisticated, they believe it had to be a state entity. The Chinese, the Russians, the only ones really capable of pulling it off. All right. So it's it's so, and so that's CNN. They're calling it. In fact, uh, our national news, NBC, also calling US it. U.S. officials telling NBC News. News that Russia launched a sophisticated cyber attack against the Pentagon's joint staff unclassified email system. All right, so we got NBC, we got do we got uh, ABC calling it, we got of course uh, CNN calling it. We just saw Mrs. Star there, right? Right. Yeah. So uh, let's go right. You know, let's let's forget the news networks. Let's go right to the horse's mouth. Josh Ernest, your good buddy, my good friend, spokeshole for Mr. Obama himself. He's going to go. I'm sure he's going to pin it right on Russia. Let's get it right from the administration. I think what is prompting the news is that there. Are are uh, sources attributing uh, this attack to one specific country, and I'm just not in a position to do that. Oh, uh, I can't wait, promise you that wait, we'll be whoa, in a position whoa, whoa, what? Uh, at any point in the future to uh, make a grand pronouncement about who may have been uh, oh. responsible for this wait. particular uh, intrusion. Oh. Chris, I'm confused. Oh, well, let's see what RT says about all of this. Okay. Russia has once again become the main suspect in a Pentagon email hack according to U.S. military officials. However, no evidence has been provided to support the claims. Tonight, Pentagon officials now believe the, uh, Russia's the prime suspect behind a cyber attack on an email system used by the Joint Chiefs. U.S. officials telling NBC News that Russia launched a sophisticated cyber attack against the Pentagon's joint staff unclassified email system. That's well, media outlets across the United States have been reporting on the alleged cyber intrusion with no evidence of who carried it out or how. Lots of written press. But unnamed sources say the attack occurred on July the 25th and did not touch any classified information. Nearly 4,000 military and civilian personnel data is claimed to have been involved. Isn't this interesting yeah. how this kind of just rolls out and they, the way they time it all? Uh, now, this one... Uh, this next clip isn't really related, so if you had any any thoughts on on that particular story, I mean, unclassified email system, they named a few people, apparently in a way never seen before, but isn't it interesting, just like with the OPM hack, the administration, again, is refusing to say, oh, it's it's China, it's Russia. Right. They, they don't want to talk about who it is. They don't want to be specific. But then again, we hear about it through the media. And it's unnamed officials at the Pentagon. Again, right. every time it's unnamed officials and it's always coming through Barbara Starr or whoever it is, it's Lester. Somebody's telling us from unnamed officials. And it, and then and then every time you go to ask the State Department or you go to ask the oh, Pentagon spokesperson or you go to ask... Country. We're not going to mention anybody. Yeah. We don't have any evidence at this time to point a specific right. country. And, and we don't even get good details to let us know how sophisticated of an attack it is. They keep it really vague. Is it about big dick pills? I mean, real <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, seriously. I mean, what's the deal? So uh, NBC, you know, uh, they have been going through some changes. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, they've been going through some changes. Oh, yeah. And uh, I got, you know, there's a couple of things to talk about here. So let's talk about back when Bryway was uh, still uh, on the show. Yeah. Do you remember uh, the story they did right before the Olympics in, so- in Sochi? Is that That's right? right. So they said that they were in Moscow. Yes. Moscow. So you do remember this. Yeah, yeah and they were going. talking about, you know, uh, phones, cell phones being hacked. Yeah. Yes. And basically APKs being installed. Right. By essentially people are trying to find an app and whatever, and they they go to download it. But obviously, you know, you and I both know that you have to jump jump through some significant hoops yeah. to get these kind of apps and installed it, on your phone. And then it turned out like they were like way away from the city they even claimed to be at. They weren't it, even in Sochi. They, they went were to a bad, a, a known hotel, bad site. They right. had turned, they had got, they had gone in and yeah. turned on side loading apps, and it was really bad journalism. Oh, and, and yeah, they connected to a, you know, yeah. Uh, I, I, a Terrible. bad, yeah, yeah a bad, bad hot, a, a, hot but spot. a hotspot that they infected that they were listening. Right, and this, this, I remember thinking, man, this is irresponsible journalism, really. But you know, and you'd think uh, they got a little pushback, like uh, there was the Threat Post and other places wrote. Uh, analysis of it saying this is absolute crap and they got enough pushback that I thought maybe NBC is going to back off because you know after the whole Brywise situation you know they really have to try to be honest about this kind of, of stuff. Of course. No they are doubling down on the hype and scare and of course with Black Hat and Defcon going on. Oh it's nope. in the news cycle well, you it's gotta a perfect milk timing. It. You gotta Absolutely. milk it Chase. So this is a clip from uh, their DEFCON coverage. On this broadcast, we've reported time and time again on massive computer hacks, everything from government secrets to data stolen from millions of retail customers. Tonight, NBC News is getting rare access into the hacking world, where we learn their tricks and how vulnerable your privacy really is. Here's NBC national investigative correspondent Jeff Rossin. Welcome to the DEFCON hacking convention. At Paris and Bally's in Las Vegas. What have you guys hacked? Refrigerators. Home automation and home security devices. Home security. Yep. Baby monitors. You've hacked the baby monitor. Yes. You know, like, what have you guys hacked? Really? Well, remember, remember, Chris, who's the target audience? I know, I know. It's just... It's the target I, audience is 55-plus old men and women watching this. I just the journalists feeling. themselves were more educated in the topic. Yeah, well, maybe they are, but they have to softball it and make it so, like, bleh. I don't know. Some of the world's best hackers all in this hotel yeah. all at the same time. What? Showing off. In fact, right now, this guy is hacking my rental car. You can see the doors of the car are locked up. It is locked up tight. But you're saying you can just hit a button here and it'll unlock. Sir, are we going to hit this? This and it's oh my, unlock. I see it, it's already popped. It opens right up, and you don't have the keys. I don't have the keys. So, how much does that device cost? That's a dodge. Uh, the device is about $32 in parts. Are you worried criminals can get this? Now, this question <laughs> so, uh, let you know, this is what's so th- I guess this is what here's this is what bothers me about this coverage. Yeah, go ahead. Is it, it's like we've never known about this, this has never been possible. You can hack cars. And this is like, we are dumbfounded. $32 in parts. Are you worried criminals can get this? Uh, I believe criminals have been using this for years. Exactly. Many hackers aren't criminals. We built an app that kills robocalls on your phone once and for all. Companies are here too, hiring hackers for cybersecurity jobs. These people are all together trying to figure out how it all works, what we can actually do with the technology. But the frightening reality is we're all vulnerable. Experts say, especially on open Wi-Fi networks, and say you should never use one. Hackers actually set up free Wi-Fis as a way to gain access to your information. Good tip. That's true. Wow. That, wait, wait. We'll give them a nice plug. Mm-hmm. Very nice job, buddy. So I just hacked into your phone. I'm looking at your Gmail. 
You're looking at my Gmail. <laughs> yeah. I don't even have that up here. What do you, okay, what's the last email I sent? Uh, I see oh, something to Josh Davis. Uh, hey, still shooting the story. I haven't even sent that email yet. It's literally, it's in my drafts. I haven't even hit send yet. Well, Gmail saves drafts every few seconds. And it still goes here? Yeah. So let, all right, any- full disclosure here. I bet you he's connected to an unrestricted Wi-Fi hotspot yeah, the, or maybe a the, honeypot. The guy has, I think the guy has an AP right there. Yeah, he's on this guy's AP. You see this uh, sword here? I think that's like a, I think that's like a Wi-Fi. So, so he, so there was set up for the story. Yes. Obviously. He's this connect- is what NBC doesn't do is they don't disclose like the special conditions that they go into to make it possible. Right. He's joined this guy's network. He went on his Wi-Fi, you know. Uh, they don't explain how long that he took to do this whole thing. Yeah. It's conveniently edited. You plug in the USB that comes with it and you dump all the Hacker fun in the desert sun. Uh-huh. <laughs> when they retreat back into the shadows. Oh, Jeff Ross and NBC God. News. So there you go. Come on, man. So there's NBC's coverage. Some good mixed with a lot of bad in there, and some real bad stock footage too. Of, yeah. Of uh, you know. Stuff scrolling down the screen. Yeah. All right, quick. Uh, let's do a quick Middle East update. Uh, something that uh, I didn't get a chance to do in the supporter show, but uh, I want to get to now. Uh, you know, we've spent some good time and effort. The CIA has been secretly training Syrian rebels, and now we're more overtly doing it. And so it's probably you know, and we've been doing it for more than what two years now. Uh, and we also are backing them with airstrikes, and we're letting them even call in their own airstrikes. So it's probably a good point in time with episode 154 to check in and see how these new U.S. trained Syrian rebels are are doing. See how all of our money and yeah, work is it going to good use? Just weeks after U.S. troops finished training the first group of 54 moderate Syrian rebels, the Pentagon says it no longer knows where many of them even are. <laughs> so, uh, uh, Chase, uh, they've lost them. What? Where, where would they go, Chris? <laughs> I don't know. Situation looks bad across the board. The administration will not discuss their fate in detail, fearing for their security. I would probably imagine they go anywhere where it's not a war zone. Yeah. Yeah. A U.S. official tells CNN it's now believed that some of the rebels got stuck in Turkey and never crossed the border into Syria. Some haven't been seen since they finished training. Stuck in Turkey would imply they were trained in Turkey. Oh. They may have to- which we know, and we also know that Turkey got the guns from Libya. So of course, you see how you see how it's all. It actually it all goes back to Hillary Clinton. And if you know what I mean, give yourself a pat on the back because you're connecting the dots pretty well. It all goes back to Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton was involved not directly. Hillary Clinton was involved with the transfer of guns through Libya during the Benghazi attack, and those guns were going to Turkey. Now Turkey's been training hey, the Syrian hey, Chris, rebels and arming them, Chris, and that's why they Chris, have American guns and Toyotas. Don't don't worry because. Those emails were classified, right. and we're not going to find out Top anything about secret, them. Buddy. Top secret. We'll get to that. Deserted or even been killed, no one knows. And after last week's attack against their camp in northern Syria, some ran away. The U.S. watching to see if they can manage to regroup. In that attack by fighters affiliated with al-Qaeda, one rebel was killed, as many as five captured. The Pentagon insists it was not caught flat-footed by the attack, but many question why the U.S. 
put such a small group on the front line. They're certainly not going to attack anybody with just 40 or 50 people out there. This area in northern Syria is now the focus of U.S. military action. U.S. airstrikes out of southern Turkey expected to increasingly pound ISIS targets. Now, I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty positive. You see this area. So this area that's highlighted here is also going to become the no-fly zone. Ah. And there's something else about this area. You see how it runs up against the border of Turkey and yeah. Syria? Yeah. I don't know for sure what this is. I, I, I wanted to check before the show. but I, I swear we, we talked about this last Can week, you, I thought. Do you have a guess of what runs through that area? Do you have a one? Could you give me one guess? A pipeline? Oh! Yeah. Yeah, a pipeline that brings uh, uh, oil uh, through Syria to the EU. You got it connects them to pipelines in Syria, which we're currently also involved in military action uh. in Syria. And there's a specific reason why Turkey decided to get involved with ISIS if we agreed to a new fly zone. And it just seems like this is all kind of connected. Wow. And there's a lot of money in, in oil transport. So I don't know. I could be wrong, but it seems like if I recall from my oil pipe map line, oil pipeline map. There is pipelines that run right specifically through that area that is highlighted on the map of, of this. And somebody in the audience might want to double-check me on that. But if I recall, it's a pipeline that runs, that can connect to Syria, and then from Syria runs down to some NATO allies that need oil. Hmm. If the U.S. and the Turks can shut down this border area, they hope to stop the flow of ISIS fighters into Syria and keep them off this route straight into Raqqa, the center of ISIS control. But there are doubts more airstrikes can change the battlefield. I don't think it's possible to shut that border down by airstrikes. You are not going to do permanent damage to groups like ISIS until you've got someone that can hold the territory that is an ally. So remember how they kept saying boots on the ground, boots on the ground, boots on the ground? Maybe if you want to defend these pipelines and you want to hold them, you just want to get boots on the ground so that way you can keep the territory. Mm-hmm. Now, Chase, don't think that uh, it's all over in Turkey and all what? over in Syria. That's it's right. Not. There's still an ISIS threat here at home, Young too. couple, 20 and 22 years old, a 20-year-old woman, Jalen Young, and 22-year-old Mohammed Daklala, allegedly uh, wanted to travel to Syria to join ISIS. This investigation began back in May when they were on social media talking to undercover FBI agents. So they go online, these two, uh, a couple from Mississippi. Yeah, they just got married. They go online and start, now, of course they do. Of course they do. They go online. Naturally, they go online and start talking about wanting to join ISIS a year ago. Naturally. Right. And uh, and who do they start talking to? Well, it's a federal agent. And now this couple is in jail. It's beautiful. And you got to wonder. you got to wonder, is there a message from these militants, Chase? Maybe it's ISIS sending us a message. Gunshots rang out near the U.S. consulate in Istanbul as Turkish police quickly blocked off the area after two women staged an armed attack. Turkish authorities said the women were part of a left-wing militant group. The policeman was shouting, drop your bag, drop your bag, and the woman was saying, I will not surrender. I came to avenge the attack in Zurich. I will avenge the attack in Zurich. The police warned her again, drop your bag or we will have to shoot you. And the woman said, shoot. The consulate issued an emergency message warning U.S. citizens to stay away from the area and to exercise caution near large gatherings. It now, now here's the coincidence, Chase. Here's all right, just I'm, this, I'm waiting for the payoff. All of this just happened. It's just a small coincidence. Plot twist, Chase. 
just, just hold on, Chase. Plot twist. All right, all right. All happened as the first of the heavily armed USF-16 fighters arrived in Incirlik, Turkey. Oh. Oh. Right as the Imperial U.S. came in, they... Well, no, I'm sure not that. I'm sure oh, okay. Anyways, Chase, uh, yeah. so uh, what do you think about that uh, that that ISIS couple running off? You think they were going to... think well, they were in love and wanted to just go like on a honeymoon, maybe? I was actually reading into the story a little bit that, yeah, they said they wanted to go there for a honeymoon. They planned on sneaking in. Uh, she has some sort of chemistry background that he she was going to apply uh, towards her, towards them. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, <laughs> the whole picture, huh? Yeah, the whole and, picture. Yeah, and then the husband was uh, wanting to, I don't know, he wanted to do something strong or what, whatever the case may well, be. Well, hey, know. Chase, uh, look, uh, we got to go. Uh, I would like to, uh, before we get into the Iran deal, I would like to go back to Bryway for a moment so that way we can close a chapter in the Red Book. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, here... Uh, I have is the Unfiltered Red Book. It is a real book. It is... I just hit the mic. Oh, yep, sorry. and we're pointing to it on video. That is a real finger. And uh, in this uh, Red Book, uh, Mr. Chase Nunes made a prediction... Me! Uh, in, uh, I believe it was episode 149. Me, 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 July me. 1st, 2015. So just a little bit ago. Yeah. And uh, I'll, I'll go ahead. Uh, this is going to... So like I said, we're going back to Bry-Y here, and uh, we're going to uh, play good. We're going to make good here on Mr. Chase's... Pension from NBC News is over, and according to the Wall Street Journal, the former NBC Nightly News anchor will play a role in the remake of MSNBC as it scraps most of its daytime political programming for hard news. Representatives at NBC News could not be reached late Tuesday, but CNN Money reported that the suspension for NBC News chief anchor and managing editor had been lifted. NBC News imposed Williams' six-month suspension on February 10th after it discovered he'd told untruths about being in a helicopter shot down over Iraq and other news stories. I want to apologize. I said I was traveling in an aircraft that was hit by RPG fire. I was instead in a following aircraft. Williams told Matt Lauer of NBC's Today that he owns up to his mistakes. So, by uh, the way, by the way, Chris, you didn't just kind of call the bride oh, would come back. Actually, let me go back a little bit further. Episode 133, uh, February 11th, 2015. Chris Fisher, Brian, uh, are you said you he will not return? Uh, I said he will come yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. So not only did you, but I actually think you might have even said he might come back on MSNBC first. Yeah, I don't think I read book. You, you didn't that write specific. that in the red book, but I do but, remember you when you and I were talking about it. Well, you said you wouldn't be surprised if he came back first on MSNBC. Yeah, That's he's exactly going to come back, at, you know, anchor some shows. I'm really, I'm really impressed. You totally called it. I, I mean, like, <laughs> it's not like shocking, shocking, but. Uh, uh, our our local King Five affiliate here just pulled it up. They have it. The story. They well, were, there's, they were there's one more thing about this. Oh, what is it, Chase? What's the what's the one more thing? Here's uh, one more thing, huh? By the and this is the last part of my prediction. Yeah, you think he'll eventually make it back to the main anchor desk? I say that he, Lester will be out and Bryy will be in by the 2016 election cycle. Yeah. So the last part of the uh, of the prediction, yeah. will come true then. Yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe we'll see. We'll Boom. see. I can't, I can't argue with you now because you just nailed it so far. So uh, while we're on the Red Book and uh, doing, uh, talking about the show, I also want to take a moment and talk about our Patreon over at patreon.com. We love unfiltered. our Patreon. 412 of you. Thank you. And uh, here's how it works. This show, we decided that if we we're going to do something, we wanted to be uh, absolutely focused on gen- our genuineness to the content. Every time we do an episode, we don't want this, this particular type of topic that we're talking about, security and, and politics and news. And it's very easy to be clickbaity. There's so many sites out there that are designed around clickbaitiness yeah. uh, to generate clicks for ads. And then the more ads you clicks you get, the more you can charge your sponsors. You can make a fair amount of money at it. Yeah. But boy, would that feel dirty. 
That would not be unpleasant. Our we want our when we sit down in front of the microphone, what we want our loyalty to be loyalty to be is to four hundred and twelve people. Think about how that changes our show. Four hundred and twelve people now. What do they want to see from us? And what are they what are they expecting from us? And how do we keep make them happy? Maybe even get that number up a little higher. And that changes our approach to the show. Yep. And what's really cool is once we got around four hundred, we're able to grow the show or show organically. We saw there's the audience demand. There's audience, audience interest. We can now invest in a producer, and it's made a huge difference. Totally the overtime huge. folder is ridiculous this week, you guys, and that's all content for our supporters. If you're a $2 supporter, you get the supporter show, and that's pretty B.A. You know what that stands for, Chase? Bad ass. Ooh, that's right, buddy. And if you do the $5 amount, $5 or more, you get the supporters sync. Supporters sync! That's the source code. That's everything. All the clips, the artwork, notes. It's nuts. And also, you can get access to the JFK archive. What? Yes, the JFK archive, or just only the supporter show. There's also a supporter show RSS feed that you get access to. So that means well. you can get it automatically yeah. into your phone. You get like double the show. You get all. You get so much content. It's nuts. And uh, you also get uh, the uh, privilege of keeping us on the air. That's patreon.com slash unfilter. Thanks, you guys. Thanks. We report to you because you decide. Something like that. Something <laughs> roughly working for your reporting for you today. All right, Chase. So let's talk about this Iran deal. And uh, Obama is scrambling. He uh, Different strategists say he's got a couple of different plans depending on how things go. And uh, he just lost some major support from a big Democrat. So let's start there. Reporters were hustled out of the Oval Office before the question could be asked about what President Obama thinks about losing a key Democrat on the Iran nuclear deal. Senator Chuck Schumer. It was during the GOP debate. No, Megan. What are you supposed to? The New York Democrat dropped the news after it leaked to the Huffington Post, saying in a statement, I believe Iran will not change. The vote to disapprove is the right one. Before he announced his decision, Schumer called the White House to inform the president. It was not particularly surprising to anybody here at the White House, uh, even if it was uh, disappointing. Thank you. Schumer could pay a price for his defection. A slew of top former Obama aides lashed out on Twitter, rallying against Schumer's expected rise to become the next top Senate Democrat. Chuck Schumer, who said it was a mistake to pass Obamacare, now comes out against the Iran deal. This is our next Senate leader, asked former Obama speechwriter John Favreau. It depends on whether or not he pushes against the deal. A key Democratic aide told CNN he says he has the votes for leader, but something like this could change that. No argument against that at the White House. But I certainly wouldn't be surprised if there are individual members of the Senate Democratic Caucus uh, that will consider uh, the voting record of those who say they would like to leave the caucus. Okay, so there's a high political cost for rejecting this deal. And you and I have talked about it. It's like, it seems like uh, uh, if we don't, the option is either this or war. So what's so bad about this deal? Well, I I got a fairly decent explanation from uh, Brad Sherman. Now, he is... Uh, he's a longtime Iran war hawk. He has uh, been a big advocate of uh, shutting down Iran's nuke program for a long, yeah. long time. Yeah. And uh, he explains what's so bad about the Iran deal. Now, he actually seems to be fairly f- fair about it. Um, and uh, he's actually changed his stance a couple of times on the deal. But I, I want to go to him because basically I think he does the best job of telling us what's bad about the deal in a few seconds. Well, I think this deal has um, some positive and some negative aspects at the beginning. You get the good, the bad, the ugly. It's good and bad at the beginning. It gets ugly uh, in the years to come. Uh, The good includes uh, Iran giving up uh, 97% of its stockpile 
of enriched uranium and two-thirds of their uh, centrifuges. It's 97% of the stockpile and two-thirds of their centrifuges. That's, that's a shit ton. Yeah. The bad is that Iran gets its hands on $56 billion or more of its own money. Now, uh, so there's this big, oh, we're giving them a bunch, we're giving them billions of dollars, we're giving them money. Obama shouldn't have given them money as part of the deal. It's actually their own money. We're releasing sanctions that held their own money, and it's going to take probably a matter of years to release that money. But it gets ugly in a few years when Iran can have an unlimited number of centrifuges, uh, a reprocessing facility, heavy water reactors, all the things those concerned with uh, with proliferation uh, identify as as red buttons that have to be avoided. All right, fair enough. So down the road, it could get particularly, particularly ugly uh, and... uh, I, that I guess. So, what do you think about? It? So, if, I, I, if you could prevent something today, but you're sort of kicking the can down the road, is this see, still worth doing? That's that's the argument I've been having in my head this entire time. Because, all right, you say no to this deal. What do you have left? You don't have anything. So you have no recourse. You, you right. what, What's the next stage? Yeah. Well, actually, you just that's that's essentially uh, uh, President Obama's argument is even down the road. Gives us we'll have that we'll have better tools down the road today. Right. So here's, here's it is yeah. true that some of the limitations regarding Iran's peaceful program last only 15 years, but that's how arms control agreements work. So it's 15 years before the uh, before the limits come off. Right. The first SALT treaty with the Soviet Union lasted five years. The first START treaty lasted 15 years. And in our current situation, if 15 or 20 years from now Iran tries to build a bomb. This deal ensures that the United States will have better tools to detect it, a stronger basis under international law to respond, and the same options available to stop a weapons program as we have today, including, if necessary, military options. On the other hand, without this deal, the scenarios that critics warn about happening in 15 years could happen six months from now. By killing this deal, Congress would not merely pave Iran's pathway to a bomb, it would accelerate it. That kind of makes sense. It makes logical sense It seems to like me we too. would be in a better position, right. too, in 15 I, I have yet to hear an alternative from any Republican or Democrat about well, the alternative what is, the alternative is. I, apparently, the alternative, let's fight. Because we are essentially at a point where there's no other option. And I think, you know what, and I think in a way, Obama sounds a little pissed off. And I think part of why he's pissed off is he's pissed off because of the implication then that the right is making is, well, Obama doesn't like a fight. And if there's one thing our Nobel Peace Prize winning president doesn't like is when you say he steers away from a fight because the man likes a fight. As commander in chief, I have not shied away from using force when necessary. That's right. I have ordered tens of thousands of young Americans into combat. Woo! Yeah, that's right, buddy. I've sat by their bedside sometimes when they come home. Uh, 3 a.m. Waiting for that phone call. I've ordered military action in seven countries. Yeah! Seven! There are times when force is necessary. Always. And if Ron does not abide by this deal, it's possible that we don't have an alternative. But how can we in good conscience justify war before we've tested a diplomatic agreement that achieves our objectives, that has been agreed to by Iran, that is supported by the rest of the world, and that preserves our options if the deal falls short. How could we justify that to our troops? How could we justify that to the world? Because here's the thing. I think it's way too political, and the reason why is because of Israel. 
it's because of all these politicians that are afraid to piss off Israel, yeah, and, and afraid of interrupting the money flow and right. the criticisms right. and all Schumer that. Schumer is, is is has a, gets a ton of money from Israel. Exactly. That opening clip we played, Bolton's group is funded by an Israel PAC. Yeah, uh, yeah, they are be, they are they're the big nation against it. Well, not they're the little nation against this. Right. Exactly. So. The thing is, when you look at that, and they're saying to turn down the deal, because I think Israel wants war, and they and they know that if they go in, we're going to automatically have their back on that. And the, it feels like this is, and then this is, I know, maybe a little conspiracy, maybe not, I'm not sure, but it feels like yet the Republicans, and thank you, Chris, uh, that tasty bacon. Buddy, really uh, I, gotta, I don't know if you know this, but up in Skagit County, yeah. there is a co-op up there that has some beautiful local oh. maple-cured bacon. Oh. Yeah, buddy. Is it thick? That's where, Oh, it's thick. Oh, I love Lots it. of fat. That's where I got this for. What, what, what keeps uh, an economy going? Uh, money. You know, jobs. And when you have war... There's more money going into that, right? Yeah. More spending going into those things. Yeah. yeah. So, makes me wonder: Is this what they're really pushing for? You know, uh, the uh, you got to ask yourself because if it's not this, it's got to be war, and uh, it's this deal, or it's going to be war sooner or later, as Obama says as well. And as someone who does firmly believe that Iran must not get a nuclear weapon, and who has wrestled with this issue since the beginning of my presidency, I can tell you that alternatives to military action will have been exhausted. Once we reject a hard-won diplomatic solution that the world almost unanimously supports. So let's not mince words. The choice we face is ultimately between diplomacy or some form of war. Maybe not tomorrow. Maybe not three months from now. But soon. This is, to me, uh, this is a foregone conclusion that this deal is going to have to go through. And Obama's going to veto pretty much anything else but this deal. So they're really doing a lot of this for procedure. It's going to be a lot of show. I'm not, right. uh, it's interesting to follow. We'll keep following it. Uh, yeah. But look, uh, I don't want to take too long on it right now because they're on the, uh, the Senate's on vacation. So Congress Oh, is, yeah, and they, they work so hard. Uh, they deserve to be on vacation. What's their approval rating? <laughs> yeah. Hey, Chase, I know that uh, you decided, uh, I'm, and I, I understand, you know, the Unfiltered show, we watch TV so you don't have to. We yeah. watch the news so you don't have to. And that's true with the debate. We're not going to spend a lot of time on the debate because, well... We're going to spend a little time on this first one because this has truly become a reality television show for America. Yep. And there's so much money with all these packs and all the advertising. All it the comes networks. down to the bottom dollar. It comes millions down to the ratings. And millions and millions of Fox dollars. Fox as a network. We, hold on. Got to do it again. Got to do it Fox again. Fox as a network. Okay. That debate was their highest yes. rated yeah, was a big deal. show. Yeah. Ever. So I want to show you. Ever. So I call it a reality television show. That's what it is. It's a big game. And you know what? The hosts themselves couldn't even help but maybe point it out. And it's this really, this whole intro, I just want to, we're not going to, just watch this intro. It's very awkward. It's very awkward. You know, it's a fun night because the candidates are backstage and they are waiting to come. The capture on this particular clip was a little skewed, but other than that. All right, so so listen to what Megyn Kelly says. So this is just at the start of the debate. She said the candidates are backstage and they're all lined and up. And they're all lubed up, ready to go. Oh, lined up. Oh, I'm sorry. Stage and they are waiting to come out, lined up one after the other, just like, you know, you might do at a sport, sporting event. What is it? Is it sports, basketball? Yeah. Like a, like a sporting event. I, I don't know these sports things. But that my point is, is like it really is a sporting event. That's like they're all lined up back there because it is a sporting event. Now hold so it. So it's like the Hunger Games. It just keeps getting more awkward. Yes. 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 yes, yes. <laughs> you know, we are in the arena yes. that the Cleveland Cavaliers play in. When we did our pregame warm up, 
Now it just keeps getting worse. Uh, watch when they do the introductions. And they say we bring them out. are about to come out. Yeah, Why don't we bring, bring them out? out? Would you yeah. like to see the candidates? Yeah, let's go ahead. <laughs> let's do it. Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Here, here they come. Right. <laughs> now at guard. Number 24. Come on out, guys. Donald Trump. Is it coming up Trump. for a game plan back there? You know, we, came, we have our game plan. Yeah, maybe they're conferring with each other. Yeah, come on out. We're going to begin... We're just going to shout out the names. With Ohio Governor, you may be familiar with him, John Kasich. Kentucky Senator Rand Paul. So then they all come out on stage. Texas Senator Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz. Center field. Former Arkansas Governor Mike Huckabee. Stage director up there. Former Florida Governor Jeb Bush. Businessman Donald Trump. Businessman Donald Trump. Listen, the crowd goes crazy. Scott Walker. Retired neurosurgeon Dr. Ben Carson. Florida Senator Marco Rubio. Now they have to stand up and there. And New Jersey Governor Chris Christie. And, and now all of the cameramen are taking their pictures. They just this stand is there the for a while. picture you'll see on the front page of the papers tomorrow. All the and now the hosts have to kill time. We'll see who's talking to each other, who's not talking to each other. Well, that's awkward. That's <laughs> well, awkward. Yeah. that was the whole point. Now they're just standing there. <laughs> Don't stage the news. <laughs> they're not feeling it. I was like, you Wasn't guys this nervous? Weird? <laughs> <laughs> this is a, this We're is a debate, dude. Too. Nah. This, Isn't this weird? That sounded like the buzzer. <laughs> we saved them from that buzzer. That's right. We'll explain How that. long do they need the for pictures? There was controversy. Uh, it's good to see you, gentlemen. Welcome. And uh, anyway, so then the debate oh, starts. Oh God! Yeah, wow. Wasn't that painful? It was just weird. Now let's play the most wow. famous part from That's the debate. So weird. The, the part everybody's talking about. Mr. Trump. One of the things people love about you is you speak your mind and you don't use a politician's filter. However, that is not without its downsides, in particular when it comes to women. You've called women you don't like fat pigs, dogs, slobs, and disgusting animals. Your Twitter account Only Rosie O'Donnell. No, it wasn't. That's a solid line. Boom. Do you think he prepped for that, or do you think he just c- cracked that out? Well, you notice he was adjusting the microphone prior to the answer, so he was he he wanted to disrupt her question, yeah, to break the ice. He's good because, at that, yeah, because he's getting serious. Your Twitter account. Thank you. For the record, thank you. Wait, it was well beyond Rosie O'Donnell. She's such a badass. God, she's so bad. She's so bad. I want to have her. I want to have her child. I want to have. I want to be impregnated by Megyn Kelly. Look at her face. Look. First of all, look at that lip. Look at the way she curls that lip. Yeah. Like she's a ba- like she's going into badass mode right there. That's Megyn Kelly switching into badass mode, and then she'll look up and she'll just lay it down. For the record, it was well beyond Rosie O'Donnell. Yes, I'm sure it was. Your Twitter account has several disparaging comments about women's looks. 
You once told a contestant on Celebrity Apprentice it would be a pretty picture to see her on her knees. Does that sound to you like the temperament of a man we should elect as president? And how will you answer the charge from Hillary Clinton, who is likely to be the Democratic nominee, that you are part of the war on women? I think the big problem this country has... Do you know what he's about to say? No. What, what would you? What, how would you answer that? <laughs> oh, I, I, no, I'm not taking that one, no? Chris. I'm not taking that one. Okay, are you sure? Because I wouldn't be tweeting in the first place those comments, so I can't even <laughs> go to defend these comments. Uh, all right, all right. I actually thought wow. his answer is the only possible answer that would resonate with the Republican Party what, base. The I didn't do it is being politically correct. I've been. Ch- since I interrupted, I'll play it back. So what he said there was uh, the big problem today is being politically correct. So I'll, I'll jump it back just a little bit so you can hear it. Being politically correct. I've been, ch- I've been challenged by so many people, and I don't frankly have time for total political correctness. And to be honest with you, this country doesn't have time either. This country is in big trouble. We don't win anymore. We lose to China. We lose to Mexico, both in trade and at the border. We lose to everybody. And frankly, what I say, and oftentimes it's fun, it's kidding, we have a good time. What I say is what I say. And honestly, Megan, if you don't like it, I'm sorry. I've been very nice to you, although I could probably maybe not be based on the way you have treated me, but I wouldn't do that. But you know what? (laughs) Wow. We need strength we need energy we need quickness and we need brain <laughs> in this country to turn it around that i can tell you right now all right so after that uh, people said that he was whining they said that he was whining after the debate i thought his response to that was kind of good i do whine because i want to win <laughs> <laughs> and then he said i'm the most fabulous whiner <laughs> <laughs> so good man so we isolated that out so now we have that. I do whine because I want to win. Just in case that because ever comes I up. I want to win. All right. And then one last thing from the debate, and then we'll wrap up our debate coverage here. Because uh, I, I, I was watching to see if NSA or drones would come up, and uh, we did get one on the Fourth Amendment between uh, Rand Paul and Chris Christie, which I think is uh, worth covering because I would love to see this become an issue in the debate. Governor Christie, you have said that Senator Paul's opposition to the NSA's collection of phone records has made the United States weaker and more vulnerable even going so far as to say that he should be called before Congress to answer for it if we should be hit by another terrorist attack. Can you believe that? That's what Chris Christie has said about Rand Paul. Uh. They're really going after Rand. They must worry. You got John Bolton going after Rand with uh, uh, with that uh, clip that we opened the they show. They got to take down the reasonable peeps. That's the whole goal, right? Take take because out the reasonable you think, ones. You think if, because Donald, while 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 people are distracted by Donald Trump, you take out Rand Paul at the knees because if, yep. if people actually listen to him, maybe they were because remember he did the the nonstop filibuster. Remember, and you know those are the things where if he stays in these later rounds, he, he'll be able to call back on that. Do you really believe you can assign blame to Senator Paul just for opposing the bulk collection of people's phone records in the event of a terrorist attack? Yes, I do. And I'll tell you why. Because I'm the only person on this stage who's actually filed applications under the Patriot Act, who have gone before the federal, uh, the, the Foreign Intelligence Service Court, who has prosecuted and investigated and jailed terrorists in this country after September 11th. I was appointed U.S. Attorney by President Bush on September 10th, 2001, and the world changed enormously the next day, and it happened in my state. This is not theoretical to me. 
I went to the funerals. We lost friends of ours in the Trade Center that day. My own wife was two blocks from the Trade Center that day at her office, having gone through it that morning. When you actually have to be responsible for doing this, you can do it. And Wait a minute. Did he just do a 9-11 reference without actually saying 9-11? Uh, yeah, he just did a 9-11 reference. That's the classiest 9-11 reference I've ever seen. Well, I'm not saying I like well, it. Well, he said uh, uh, September 10th and yeah. then the next day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, That's sophisticated. All right. You know I got to keep my eyes open Because on you that. know why? I, you got to figure... You're you, you harping yeah. on 9-11's getting old now, right? No, so, yeah. So you got to... That's clever. Curveball it. Boy, look how serious face he has, too. Woo! 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 Man, he's, he's serious. When you actually have to be responsible for doing this. You can do it, and we did it for seven years in my office, respecting civil liberties and protecting the homeland. And I will make no apologies ever for protecting the lives and the safety of the American people. Still not answering we have to the give question. more tools to our folks to be able to do that, not fewer, and then trust those people and oversee them to do it the right way as president. That is exactly what I'll do. By the way, this is essentially the only moment of debate in the entire debate. Otherwise, it was a Q&A. Megan, may I respond? Go ahead, sir. I want to collect more records from terrorists, but less records from innocent Americans. <laughs> There's an idea. The Fourth Amendment was what we fought the revolution over. John Adams said it was the spark that led to our war for independence. And I'm proud of standing for the Bill of Rights, and I will continue to stand for the Bill of Rights. And, and Megan, Megan, that's a... That, you know, that's a completely ridiculous answer. I want to collect more records from terrorists, but less records from other people. How are you supposed to know, Megan? Use the Fourth Amendment. How are you supposed Use to know? No, I'll amendment. tell you how you look. Get a warrant. Let me tell you something. You Get a go, judge to sign when a you, warrant. Uh, you know, go Senator, ahead, wait. Governor Christie, make your point. Listen, Senator, you know, when you're sitting in a subcommittee just blowing hot air about this, you can say things like that. <laughs> when you're responsible for protecting the lives of the American people, then what you need to do is Here's to make sure is to make sure that Here's you use the, problem, the system governor. the way it's supposed Here's the problem, Governor. You fundamentally un misunderstand the Bill of Rights. Every time you did a case, you got a warrant from a judge. I'm talking about searches without warrants, there is indiscriminately of all Americans' records, and that's what I fought to end. I don't trust President Obama with our records. I know you gave him a big hug, and if you want to give him a big hug again, go right in. <laughs> <laughs> You know, Senator Paul, Senator Paul, you know, the hugs that I remember are the hugs that I gave to the families who lost their oh. people on September 11th. Those are the hugs there I remember. Is, and is. those had nothing to do, Ooh, and those had nothing to do with politics. <laughs> Unlike what you're doing by cutting speeches on the floor of the Senate, then putting them on the Internet within a half an hour to raise money for your campaign, right. and while still putting our country at risk. All right, we're going to cut it off there. Done. We have plenty more we want to get to. Wait, did yeah. you notice that the bruise that Chrissy was getting there at the it end? It got a little rough oh. there. It got a little See, rough that, at the end. That's... Yeah. Yeah. That's the good parts of the debate where they, yeah. you know, they they actually start talking to each other or really just firing off at yeah. each other. That's yeah. fine. There is uh, there is a whole bunch more uh, uh, in the uh, support. I'm just looking at all of these in the in the uh, supporter sink right here. See if there's any other we want to go to. Boy, <laughs> wow. so much on the debates, uh, and I don't. Uh, there was one interesting one, just one. I want to play because I've been a big I've been a big uh, I've been wondering if maybe uh, if Fox News was sort of behind Donald Trump to begin with. If they've been maybe positioning him up because it's crazy ratings. Well, I I think with Fox, and by mm -hmm. the way. 
Trump has been back on Fox since the debate. I think yeah, he oh, there's a lot yesterday. of clips in here about this. Yeah, and it's one of those things where I think actually, this, before you go further, yeah, go ahead. Play this clip. This clip might just. Oh my! Oh my goodness! Yeah. Since the Fox debate, the conservative group Red State disinvited Donald Trump from a weekend gathering over his comments about Megyn Kelly, and a number of Republican candidates now denouncing Trump's language. Joining us now here in Washington. All right, so there's the uh, backlash he's gotten. Okay, right. So what I was going to say was. After the during the debate, I think it was Fox's goal to go in there and take him out to to discredit him, to make him look like the fool that everybody thinks that he is. Are you frying some bacon again? Oh, it might be. Here, okay, this might, might be. this might back you up. This uh, okay. Now we have this leaked memo. What was he told to to prepare for to really hone in on last week? I'd make so babies with her. Look at those legs. By Roger oh, what Stone, did I say? That? Uh, the political strategist who, as of this weekend, is no longer working for Trump. He was either fired or resigned. Depends on who you ask. Uh, three things really stood out to me from this memo. Okay. Uh, the first thing is. Roger Stone tried to coach uh, Donald Trump on acting more presidential. What does that mean? All right, so <clears throat> that's actually not the clip I want to play, but that's very fascinating. Uh, <laughs> no, this is here. It is. Hold on, hold on a second. They they had a prep for it uh, behind the Fox News debate. There was ah oh, shoot. So Fox News did prep. I was trying to I was trying to figure out if Fox News was sort of behind. Uh, Behind uh, the uh, the whole the whole uh, the Trump thing, but it turns out they had like um, like an emergency Trump card, uh, like an emergency like in case uh, in case like Trump gets goes off the hook. They had like a line they were going to use where they say, "Mr. Trump, Mr. Trump, when you're in the boardroom, your business has to follow certain kind of rules, just like the stage has oh, to follow certain kind of rules." Okay. Like like the Fox News guys were like preparing for for Trump to go cray. So yeah, I'm not quite sure. See, my theory, <clears throat> and I know it may or may not be conspiracy ish. I don't know, but. I, I think it was the goal of Fox News to get Trump out of there, to try to discredit him so much, to cause so much hate that they get him out of there. But what happened was after the debates, the poll numbers didn't slip for him. Actually, in some states, they got stronger. And so what Fox realizes now is, well, great, that didn't work, and we can't have him going to CNN and MSNBC to spout out stuff. So we got to have him back because, remember, it's all about the money. It's all about yeah. the ratings. And so they can't so- get rid of him. In the supporter show, we played two interviews of Donald Trump on CNN. That's a personal friend of Donald Trump. When he went to CNN, right. he went to a personal friend. Right. Person. He went to somebody yeah. you know. Yeah. All right. Let's. While we're still talking 2016, let's talk a little bit of Hill Dog because there was some breaking news today regarding the fact that Hillary has been ordered to turn over, or she's agreed to turn over the, the physical server. Couple for Hillary Clinton. The investigation into those private emails now heating up. The Democratic presidential hopeful agreeing to hand over that private email server she kept while Secretary of State to the Justice Department now. So let's get right to ABC's John Carl joining us now from Martha's Vineyard where the president is vacationing. John, good morning. Good morning, David. For months, Hillary Clinton has resisted Republican efforts to get her to turn over that email server she used as Secretary of State. Now, in a surprising development, she is doing just that. Hillary Clinton has now agreed to turn over to the Justice Department the private email server she used as Secretary of State. The move is a sign the investigation into the handling of classified information in Mrs. Clinton's emails has entered a new and potentially more serious phase. Sources familiar with the investigation tell ABC News that at least two of the emails sent by Mrs. Clinton included information classified as top secret. In an interview on Fox News, GOP frontrunner Donald Trump accused Mrs. Clinton of breaking the law with her use of private email. Did she commit a crime? Yes. Will they prosecute it? Perhaps no. 
Trump's momentum shows no sign of waning. In his first campaign stop since last week's debate, Trump packed the House in Michigan. Ladies and gentlemen, President of the United States, Donald J. Trump. What? Trump remains as confident and defiant as ever. Leading in Iowa, leading in New Hampshire. Well, this has turned it into a Trump uh, story, but uh, what I want to, before, we don't have to keep going, on, unless you want to keep going on the no, Trump No, I'm stuff. good, man. Uh, so, <clears throat> let's talk about, uh, let's talk about uh, Clinton's emails here. Uh, the uh, top secret material. So they turned over the wipe server. Yeah, the wipe server. And what does that get them exactly? Because it's a formatted server. So what, they can check to see if it's got some sort of BIOS vulnerability exactly. I don't quite understand. And they also got the USB drive from her attorney. No doubt removal of other emails as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the one thing that been, that's been bugging me about the whole email thing is they're not coming down on her for these deleted emails. I think, I think it's going to all come down to technicality. I think they'll determine that the stuff wasn't top secret at the time. I think Obama's never going to do anything about it. So I think at the end, it's not going to matter. Well, no, at the end, it will matter because you will not be president. I think in a year, we're not even going to be talking about it. And, and, no. It'll be a, it'll no. be a, it'll be a punchline in the debate. You said this before. You said it was going to be wrapped up by like last year. Last no, no, no. I never said that because they're going to be releasing until like January. They're going to be releasing emails. I know, but you, you thought this wouldn't be a campaign point somewhere. I, I think, I I think in that. a year from now, it's not going to matter. She's still going to be in the race, and I don't think it's going to matter. I don't think it's going to uh, matter. You know what's interesting, though? And I don't know what to make about this. Have you heard about Bernie Sanders when he was down in Seattle here? Oh, yeah, the uh, the Black Lives Movement uh, stepping up on stage. Yeah. 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 Do you know who's one of the big funders of uh, Black Lives Matter? No. George Soros. Who's that? He's also one of the big funders of Hillary Clinton. Oh, really? So let's talk about the Hillary Clinton campaign event. You guys tried to get in, could not because Secret Service stopped you. Tell me how that evolved. Mm-hmm. Um, so as we arrived, uh, we were told that the event had hit capacity, um, and so we were in conversation. We were, you know, trying to figure out how we would get inside. Um, I was actually recognized by Dan Marica of CNN, um, and he had tweeted um, that he, you know, that Black Lives Matter folks were outside and could not get in. Um, we were then invited in uh, to an overflow room where we were able to watch uh, Hillary Clinton's talk on a live stream. Uh, and then we were met with her campaign staff, who actually offered us the opportunity to, to have a couple minutes with her. Okay, so pause right there. So then Hillary Clinton invited you guys in after the event was over. And that's, those were the pictures that we were showing on the screen there. So you sat down, you talked with Hillary yes. Clinton. What did she tell you? Um, so the questions that we asked uh, were very specific in terms of her and her family's uh, very unique uh, position in terms of the war on drugs. The event was a community forum on substance abuse, and we were hoping to ask our questions in that public forum. So <clears throat> I would invite you to Google George Soros Black Lives Matter and just find out some of the things that uh, come up, uh, like the fact that uh, he bankrolled $33 million to uh, Ferguson demonstrators to create an echo chamber and drive protests. <laughs> How about that? That was published uh, back uh, in January. So but the the end game being what uh, to change political opinion on things. Uh, the uh, he so yeah. Um, the Huffington Post has the story right now, as well as many others. Um, um, I mean, of course, it's not uh, actually loading right now because the Huffington Post is crap. Hmm. Didn't you just say? Oh no, it was somebody else. Maybe I can get the uh, Google cache. Let me bring this up here. <clears throat> if I can read this. No. Now they oh they maybe they took it down. Maybe they took it down. We did have uh, – Producer Matt, if you're listening and want to send me a link, because we did have a link earlier today. Oh, maybe I actually still have it in my conversation with him. But uh, we were discussing how uh, – yeah. 
Yeah, uh, we were discussing how uh, Soros is behind, and maybe it's not you know not necessarily a bad thing, but right, yeah. you do have to wonder if <clears throat> Soros is funding Clinton and Black, Black Lives Matter, and maybe if Clinton's worried about Sanders and Black Lives Matter showing up at Sanders protests, um, but they're not even able to get into Clinton ones. That's just particularly kind of yeah. odd, don't you think? Yeah, no, I I, I heard uh, a story, I forget where I saw it, but basically that they spoke at Bernie Sanders or they interrupted his his uh, planned uh, speech yeah. downtown Seattle, yeah. not because of him, but to get Hillary's attention. It was some weird convoluted reasoning behind it, you hmm. know. And so, I here's don't know. what I here's yeah. the, uh, this is this clip had me thinking a little bit about uh, about this particular topic, and maybe like uh, and like what would be the angle? This, that, this. Welcome back. We are the Political Insiders here in New York. I'm John LeBoulier with Pat Cadell, and our senior executive producer has arrived. Doug was sitting in for you. Now, it's a little bit into this clip, so I might just skip ahead and uh, I might just summarize it for you now that I remember. I remember watching this last time. They, these guys, What these guys are basically talking about is the Clinton campaign watching Sanders. Mostly on the phone and getting on every show. Sanders is retailing. He's out there yeah. getting these live crowds. I think Donald Trump would get 28000 if he went out and wanted to. But anyway, I mean, yeah. they're both hitting the public and reaching them in now, a we, I mean, we, we've discussed it a lot. And Clinton, the Clinton campaign is spending a lot of money on it, too. And I don't know, I, I also, I don't, I know our audience, there's a lot, I don't want to say bad things about Bernie, because I know there's some po- folks in our audience, you know, Trump kind of seems like the sideshow, and then people are more excited about Bernie. I think right, Bernie's... Yeah. Bernie's essentially for the left what what uh, Trump is for the right, unfortunately. No, well, or maybe Bernie's no, more no, like what Rand is for the right. No, yeah, and no, and I think Bernie's more what uh, uh, Paul Senior, uh, you know, when he ran four years mm. ago, you know, he you know he was the the refreshing candidate, you know, Ron Paul, um, and and so. So, you know, Bernie's kind of being that way, but at the same time, he's going think, up against a powerhouse. I think what, what we what we are encountering is... But remember, the, George McGovern. The process in which we manufacture consent to be... The, the, this is the process in which you get... When you get hundreds of millions of people, well, not that many people are going to vote. When you get millions of people that uh, have such a crazy, diverse, broad range of opinions... This is how, over time, you manufacture consent to get them to pick Coca-Cola or Pepsi... And they don't. And, and eventually, by the time the elections get here, we're no longer debating if there should be a third party candidate. We're no longer talking about what Bernie Sanders would do for college students. We're not talking about email servers anymore. We're going to talk about Coke and Pepsi. And it, it, that might be uh, Joey B and Jeb Bush. That might be Hillary and somebody else. I don't know. But it's not. It's unfortunately, I, Bernie. I believe also is going to have the same fate that Rand. And my prediction is also Trump. The only mm. way, the only way, the only way Bernie, Rand, or Trump gets anywhere is if there's some sort of crazy, crazy change in public. Right, this is not going to happen. Right, um, Chase, did you hear about this big spill? This big toxic spill. Oh God, over the what Colorado River, right? Yeah, Just yeah, awful, man. And Fox News is making some serious hay out of this. The very government agency that enforces environmental laws is now responsible for an enormous toxic disaster. This is the river in Colorado that's getting so much attention after, well, after a new a move by a contractor working for the government made a terrible mistake. I want to show you this part of the country now on the map behind us, the Four Corners region here, as you divide it here in the American Southwest. Yeah, you got to get the touch screen going. You have Colorado, New Mexico, and Arizona, an absolutely beautiful, stunning part of the country. 
Here is where it begins, up here at a gold mine, the Gold King Mine, up along the Animus River. The Animus joins down here to the San Juan. Eventually, the San Juan hooks up with the Colorado River and so forth on down to the American Southwest. Show you what we think the image looked like before this happened. I love their before and after. And I love his verbiage. uh, Bill is so great. Listen to what he said. Show you what we think. Remember, this guy gets this guy yeah. gets a lot of money to do this job. <laughs> and so forth on down to the American Southwest. Show you what we think the image looked like before this happened. Now, this is Fox laying it on real thick for you audio listeners. On the left, they have a before. And on the right, they have an after picture. And on the left, the before picture. It's rafting, and it's you like, know, class it's, five rapids. It's not, yeah, it's not just rafting. It's like it's at a very active place in the river. Uh, the person's probably, the person taking the photo is down at the same level as the rafters. Yeah. And so, and then. The, and then on the right hand side, the after photo is like a helicopter shot of, of kayakers like a, in orange soup, it, where it's very mellow, it's, very yeah. mellow rapids. Like he, the, the implication is this toxic spill has changed the rapids. Now, obviously, this is a horrible, horrible thing. But what Fox is doing here is they're just slamming the EPA. Well, this was the before, and this is the after, and what a contrast this is. The governor of New Mexico, Susana Martinez, with... There you go. I just thought that was interesting. I, I will say one thing. Thing. You know, the EPA is always quick, by the way. They're always quick to fine companies that pollute the environment, and, and they come down hard on oil spills. Yeah. And, you know, rightly so, of course. But when they made the mistake, they were they didn't come out and release that information right away. Uh, yeah, they apologized, but, you know, it's like, who's going to go after them? Yeah. You yeah. know, it's yeah. like, wow. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Hey uh, Chase, uh, you want to do a uh, you want to do a weed update, man? It's been a little while since we've oh, done. Oh, we're uh, gonna end the show on a high on note. On a high note, buddy. Oh, fair enough. It's been a little while. Yeah, it has. It's been it's been months. Well, it's maybe. cultivating. Yeah, it was, and uh, it's because we had a highbrow one. It was a high class one. Oh. You know, intellectuals smoke cannabis. You know, intellectuals and maybe some of the most influential writers and authors of our time. There Chase. we go. Yeah, so well, let's find out more information about this. Why don't famous? I tell you about a very famous author who perhaps was a pothead? Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. This may be much ado about nothing, but um, bum. But a new High study book. reports that pipes, like pipes, the kind that you smoke out of, dug up from uh, William Shakespeare's garden in who. William Shakespeare? Have you, are you familiar with William Shakespeare? Yeah, he wrote a few plays like Romeo and Juliet. Oh. And England Othello. found, quote, indications of cannabis. What? And the man behind this report, he is, uh, this is from the South African Journal of Science, actually speculates cannabis, marijuana people, could have inspired Thanks, some Brooke. of the bard's works. He points out this line from Sonnet 76 when Shakespeare writes of, quote, invention in a noted weed. So did the bard... Like to get baked with me now, the Shakespeare she scholar from the Public Theater here in New York, James Shapiro. Uh, it is such a pleasure mm-hmm. and honor to have you on talking Shakespeare. Get rid of the Did literature. Shakespeare like to get stoned? Stop it. Did Shakespeare inhale? Uh, exactly. I I hate to disappoint stoners everywhere, but there's no evidence whatsoever. <laughs> he had a pipe. He had a pipe. Uh, yeah. That Shakespeare smoked pot. Just none. So with a bit about the residue and the pipes. This guy is going to bust our bubble. He doesn't know if he smokes it or not. Hey, he hey, doesn't know. You know, talking about uh, cannabis for a moment, did you hear about, you know, so these competitive gamers, you know, Dota 2, they just wrapped up the international championship yeah, buddy. down in Seattle. I know that. Huge money. I know that. Did you hear that, that they're enacting a uh, drug policy? 
uh, what Dota is or who is? Well, a lot, a lot of these there? competitive competitive gaming organizations, you know, they're uh, a lot of the gamers. You know, they've been taking Adderall and other enhancements no. so they can stay at the keyboard and stuff. Oh, of course they do. Yeah, yeah. So uh, a lot of these gaming organizations now are adhering to the same standards as Olympic teams. Okay, but the one thing that I saw earlier today that I thought was just hilarious. As they go through all these different drugs, you know, Adderall, cocaine, you know, speed, you know, things like that. That, that sounds are, very hilarious, yeah, Chase. That, that's really bad. But they, they, they had a condition about weed. And they said, you can do weed, you just can't do it during the competition. So as, when the competition on day one starts, the morning of, you can't do it until the conclusion of the competition uh, at the end of the day. But you can use it any other time. You just can't use it during the competition. Jeez! Wow! Wow! I just found that hilarious. I'm just thinking. So here's a, a you know an organization trying to legitimize themselves. Obviously, there's a lot of money involved in, in competitive gaming and um, instituting their own drug policy. Hey Chase, especially weed. Just from the random BS folder, uh, did you know that uh, nowadays when you have a presidential debate, it gets songified? Do you want to see a little clip of the? Uh, oh, they do that all the time. But uh, yeah, let's. What's the, the new first one? Republican national debate. You all know the rules. Whoever sings best will be the next president of the United States of America. And whoever sings worst will be banished. One, two, three, and four. Why should you be the next commander-in-chief? We got a lot of contenders, so please keep it brief. We need someone that understands the world today. In this country, we need brain. Obama's brain. Hey, there you go. <laughs> so that'll we be need. in the uh, supporters sync if you uh, actually want to listen to that for brain. a second. In there you go. Nice. Yeah, there you go. All yeah. right, Mr. Chase. Wow, there's so much more uh. we could do today. But as it gets warmer and warmer out... And I remember we haven't even had dinner yet. It is time to bring the Unfiltered <laughs> Show to a close. We do have a few items, a few tidbits to follow up yeah. on. And, of course, there's so much more in the supporter sync. Yeah. The Unfiltered Show is every week, by the way. I was so. going to say, Chris, you know, before, before well. you have dinner, you know, uh, you know, you have the big meat and potatoes. you got to have your vegetables. That's true, man. And a good place to get your vegetables you know what, buddy? is unfiltered.reddit.com. Preach it, buddy. That's a place where you can go check out all the stories that a lot of you guys in the community have submitted. Lots of great conversations. Uh, there's a great story that was submitted into the show by SQRT1764. He says, hey, John Stewart is now free to run for Democratic <laughs> presidential nomination. And guess what? They got a lot of comments going in the thread. That, I love that. That would, uh, that would get some votes. Yeah, that, that got would, some votes and got some conversation going. for his money. Man, I would, I would I'd probably vote for John Stewart. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'd love to see John Stewart versus uh, uh, Donald Trump. Man, that would be a debate. Oh, wow. that would be awesome. Hey Chase, are you on Twitter? I you should the, check it out. I do the Twitter. You thing. got a new account? You got a new account over there? No new account. No, oh. it's the same one I've always had since two thousand and eight. Oh, at Nunes? At Nunes. Oh, and Nunes. Now, I you know, there's a guy I follow. I actually follow two accounts. One, I follow you on Twitter. Yeah, I'm at Chris Las. Chris Las. Now, it's, yeah. it's, it's, you might have to refollow me if you're. You yeah. know, but see, slow. the reason why you have to refollow you is because now Jupiter Broadcasting has a Twitter at Jupiter Signal. Isn't that wicked? At Jupiter Signal. It's That's like, wicked. Boom. Yeah. Hey, uh, just for you last fans, join us on Sunday. We're moving it back to Sunday. Noah's going to be in town, so come say hi to us. We're going to be at LinuxCon next week, Monday and Tuesday. I in don't, Seattle. I don't believe we're there Wednesday, so I don't think it's going to affect the Unfiltered show, but you can okay. always find out all of our shenanigans calendar-wise over at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. We do all of our live times up there, and that right. calendar page automatically converts to your local time zone. Also, unfiltered.reddit.com is a great place for feedback. Join us live next week, jblive.tv. We do the show on a Wednesday. You're going to go over there and uh, join us in the chat room. Chat, let us know what you think Get as we're doing the show. Early. Come yeah. on by. We'd love to see you. Totally. Okay, everybody. Well, thanks so much for tuning this week's episode of Unfilter. See you back here next, next week. week.